Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Greetings from New York City, Ben. Hello, Travis and Fernando. Hi, Ben. Greetings from L.A. Perfect. We have a great show for you today. Thanks to everyone who came out to the shows in Portland and Eugene, Oregon. We'll talk a little bit more about Oregon later on in this episode and a whole series of other tales. But before that, this Thursday in Ohio, Mr. Irvine, you were telling us before the show that you have something very big planned, and I think that we need to tell the people about it. Absolutely. If there are any people in Columbus, Ohio, inclined to join us at the State House at noon on noon. Thursday, December 9th, we are sending in Santa and a couple of elves, one of them might be me, into <laughs> the State House to give all our coal loving Republican state legislators giant stockings full of coal. So please come and join Yay. us at the State House on noon Thursday. Well, isn't that exciting? And so, who are you expecting to see? Oh, probably our good friend Bill Seitz. You know, he's the human equivalent of an aging coal plant. So um, <laughs> we're going to save extra for him. Obviously, we won't see our friend Larry Householder. Uh, he's been expelled and oh. um, we don't have a cell phone number anymore. Uh, he's just living life on the farm. So <laughs> there will be plenty of action, though. And Santa will be very busy because, as we know, the Ohio State Legislature, they love coal. Well, interestingly enough, that ties into our first story. Not a lot of people have been talking about this when it comes to Joe Biden. That's our mm. president. Apparently, he has approved more oil and gas drilling permits on public lands mm. than Donald Trump, or at least he's approving them faster than Donald Trump did. I don't hear many people discussing it. And that, of course, is a tragedy. According to the Bureau of Land Management, BLM, they uh, indicate that in 2021, the agency has approved drilling permits at an average of 336 per month, Ugh. which that's Ooh. a lot. That's a lot. Yep. It's an increase from the monthly average of 245 at this point during the Trump administration. What do you guys think about this when it comes to energy independence? You know me. I believe in energy independence. We need it because I'm so sick of fighting foreign wars over it. And I'm sick of sucking the teat of the Saudis <laughs> as they uh, continue to have horrible human rights abuses mm -hmm. that we turn a blind eye to. It's not just China. It's also a lot of our... Uh, 
allies in the Middle East that mm -hmm. really, you know, could probably use a bit of an attitude adjustment when it comes to how they treat gays, women, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But what do you guys think this means when it comes to Joe Biden, when it comes to the Democrats and when it comes to, you know, they need that green base. They need those people who are massive advocates of green energy, solar, wind. That's a key constituent for the Democratic Party. And as we saw in Virginia, with the, you know, willy-nilly nature that was McAuliffe, does this hurt the Democratic base? And is this going to hurt them in 2022? I think if people see that headline, you're definitely going to have a lot of progressive Democrats very upset, again, with the centrist nature of the Biden administration. But I look at it, Ben, um, as you have, uh, from a more practical standpoint, there is an oil shortage. Um, we have been asking the Saudis to produce more oil. They are not. Um, and, and same with oil. OPEC, uh, mm -hmm. the other oil producing nation. So, yeah, this is one of those situations where basically if you're the American president, you kind of have no choice, but your hands are tied to dip in our own reserves. And I think that's just what Joe Biden has got to do right now. But this, this goes against key components of his campaign, right? We're talking For about clean energy, discussing, you know, the Keystone Pipeline, which is really just sort of a uh, a four-letter word. It's kind of used mm -hmm. as a uh, political ping-pong at this point. The Keystone Pipeline is kind of a uh, – what, what would what would be the term for what it is? Not a not a red flag. A, uh, a, a political football? A political football, maybe a, a little bit more of a dog whistle, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, of course, the, the Keystone Pipeline going over native land um, and risking massive uh, environmental devastation to that area. So I think that's also why it got a lot of press. And, of course, our gal Amy Goodman from Demar Mm -hmm. now love you baby she froze her <laughs> took us off uh, attempting to stop the building of the keystone pipeline so biden says i'll stop that but then meanwhile he's drilling again or proving more permits to drill uh, faster than donald trump so does this just further show do what i say not what i do and if you're joe biden at some point he's gonna have to talk about his record on the environment, and this is going to be a key component to it. If you, if a Republican did this, I'd call him a hypocrite. Sure, Republican. But when at least the Republicans tell you they're going to do exa it, that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. And that's what I. Uh, it feels like with Democrats, they'll lie to you and then still, you know, they'll say they're not going to do it and then still do it behind your back, kind of like a, uh, you know, Mr. Obama killing all those little kids with drones. Yeah, and then you of know. course the reliant on a media not to cover it because of course in this situation Same you have thing. your air you have your air quotes liberal media uh, which aren't going to cover it because exactly. uh, they like Joe Biden or they enjoy some of the policies. Of course, massive corporate gains have been seen under the Biden administration and then the Fox News of the world won't cover it because they don't want to praise Joe Biden. Right. right. So right, this exactly. is where you end up in the vacuum, in the black hole of information <laughs> that is the American media landscape. Not even a black hole. You end up between a rock and a hard place because then you got the let's go Brandon people on the other side going, look what Joe Biden's doing to our gas prices. Right. So you have to address it. If you're ignoring this, you're you're feeding that narrative of, of that Democrats are liars. Well, and you know, I'm saying right now, you know, we're trying to fly left ring, white ring. We're trying to be right in that middle. I don't know. These Democrats be lying, Ben. I think it's possible there's something with politicians. I'm starting to think we can't trust them. So apparently what's going on when it comes to the most productive states, this is for oil and drilling. Uh, this isn't going to be too much of a shock. Maybe one uh, state here will be seen as a shock. New Mexico, 
Wyoming, oh, right. Colorado, Utah, North Dakota, and interestingly enough, California. In these states, 3,605 permits have been approved in 2021 as of November 30th. Fewer than 5,362 in 2020, but more than more than that of 2017, 2018, and 2019. So there are a lot of people making a lot of money exactly. off of this administration, again, as they pretend to be uh, one with someone who might be more accustomed to changing our desire or our need for fossil fuels. Right. And again, I mean, I feel the Biden administration is at least pushing the country towards more clean energy. I think you saw it with the infrastructure bill, a lot of investment, in updating energy grids, updating uh, electric vehicles, you know, making highways more electric vehicle friendly. So I think their long term goal is to get off the oil. But I think the short term need is very apparent. We aren't getting enough oil from other countries. That's why gas prices are so mm -hmm. high. And this is just uh, what you got to do in the moment. So I personally don't fault Joe Biden for it, but you're absolutely right, Ben. Progressives will probably hate it, and Republicans will hate loving Joe Biden for it. And I mean, I guess the question is, what is so rising gas prices, obviously political, mm -hmm. not good. You do not want to have rising gas prices. People see them every day. The pain at the pump, it's, mm -hmm. it's exceptionally real. And it's something that, again, it's very tangible, right? So you see these gas prices going up. Old Joe, he knows 22 uh, is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. You got some elections coming up that uh, the Dems are desperately trying to hold the, uh, hold on to power right now as these elections are right around the corner. So he has the rising gas prices. He's got to nip that in the bud or attempt to. But then we would also have, again, the uh, allowing and more drilling mm -hmm. and more permits being given as a political negative as well. So I guess the question is, high gas prices, is that more of a net negative than having more drilling or I guess from the Biden administration's uh, perspective, they say, yeah, we might lose a couple of progressives, but we'll gain the suburbs back. We'll mm. gain some of the places back that we lost when Yunkin was able to pull off the upset victory in Virginia. So I guess the question is, what is more politically damning hearing that the administration is drilling more than right. Trump or looking at gas prices be, you know, four, four dollars plus per gallon. And I guess that's what they're trying to weigh, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's dinner table versus, you know, kind of the echo chamber that, that tends to be on more on the progressive side, unfortunately. You know, they got a lot of good ideas. We praise a lot of the, the progressives' ideas, and we praise what the squad is trying to do, what Bernie Sanders is trying to do. Insulin, I think, should be free. Absolutely. Um, but, of you know, course, on that perspective, absolutely. Right. But in terms of uh, energy and, and clean energy, I think it's a long term thing. And I think, you know, Biden even went he went to Copenhagen. You know, he, he made <laughs> a lot of the speeches over there. So I think right. they're committed to it. Um, but well, yeah, committed I to think, making speeches about it. That's for damn sure. I think for damn sure. Yes, that is one of the areas where, as Fernando pointed out, when people hear politicians saying one thing and doing another mm -hmm. it breaks the public trust right which again is why we live in a world where things like QAnon can take hold because if you can't trust them you got to come up with your own rationale and believe it or not it oftentimes includes pedophiles at a pizza restaurant even that copenhagen summit to me seemed like a joke they all flew there with their jets so <laughs> they just you know, hang out and eat a bunch of food and fart yeah so there you go just polluting the freaking <laughs> do atmosphere. it via zoom yeah exactly save the oh, planet wow. y'all 
Well, speaking of the Democrats and speaking of getting back the suburbs, there is one man who I love. He's out of Pennsylvania. <laughs> He's ugly. And that's Ooh. why I love him. He looks like a pro wrestler. If a pro wrestler only did death matches. <laughs> this man's name. You may have heard his name uh, last year. Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. He is a candidate. He is a centrist Democrat. However, he says he sees he is not like Joe Manchin and he is not like Kristen Cinema. He says he's not a socialist um, and he kind of knocks some of the squad goals. However, he also says that he's a strong union blue dog Democrat, mm. which is a version or a brand within the Democratic Party that has been lost. And I think if the Democratic Party wants to thrive, they need to get the blue dog Democrat back. So Fetterman, he is currently looking for uh, to fill Pennsylvania's open Senate seat. Uh, the man took a lot of uh, heat by some Hillary Clinton acolytes because he did criticize her for not going to any other places in Pennsylvania other than Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. There was one specific county that I'm blanking on. Uh, that she did not go to, that evidently every president that had won had gone to. Mm. And there were just certain things that they did. I mean, don't forget the rural outreach of the Hillary Clinton campaign. It was in Brooklyn. That that was the main office. And so Fetterman was like, you have to come and meet these people. Mm. These are the people that vote. And without these people, the Dems lose. So Fetterman, I think, is one of those branches to the forgotten rural Democrat, to the blue dog Democrat, to the Democrats who are pro-environment, the ones who are farmers, the ones who see the bullshit going on within the Republican Party, like January 6th and all that nonsense. And they make it makes them sick. You know, they see the destruction of certain constitutional rights uh, that are now becoming more mainstream when you look at Texas and and uh, and I believe it was uh, Alabama's laws uh, regarding uh, reproductive rights. There is a Venn diagram of support of you know civil libertarians and good union loving democrats mm, you can be yeah. a civil libertarian and also be a union loving democrat because as we see with the erosion of unions the workplace has gotten worse standards of living has gotten worse employees are treated worse and again as with anything there is union corruption that does exist and corruption in any sense is not good however a strong union can also provide much needed Uh, social safety nets that the government does not just give people willy nilly. You have to fight for them. And that's union. That's theoretically what unions do. And that's what John Fetterman reminds me of a strong pro union Democrat and someone who I think can really be a bridge from your, you know, AOCs of the world to your Joe Manchin's a Fetterman could be the binding glue that could uh, really seal the democratic party. And um, hopefully help them uh, succeed more in 2022 because right now the polling data isn't looking great. You know, there's already some pushback on Fetterman. Apparently in 2013, there was an incident where he held a black jogger at gunpoint thinking that he had been involved in a shooting. So uh, obviously the, the gentleman had done nothing, but things like this, it's already, there's already an attack. Of ad. course. There's already an attack ad pointing this out, bringing this up, you know, with, uh, with what's, what's going on in the courthouses right now in the nation, things like this will really stick out, I think. And so, when you're a Democrat, you're not supposed to do these types of things. Well, of course, I have no idea what that story is, really, to be honest with you. And I don't know the details from 2013. Um, but this is according to uh, Adam Jensel's, Jenselson, 
Uh, he served as the deputy chief of staff for former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. Uh, this is what he had to say regarding Fetterman. He says, what it will do is give whoever wins this primary a really big flat platform to show their model's work. At stake here is the potential for someone to at least demonstrate a path forward for Democrats at a pretty difficult time. Uh, for the party. The two liberal contenders are State Representative Malcolm Kenyatta and Montgomery County Commissioner Val Arkush. Uh, they are currently also taking shots at Joe Manchin, uh, something that, uh, you know, Fetterman has also done. Fetterman is a progressive who endorsed Bernie Sanders in 2016. He's tattooed. He's six foot eight. And again, he is a former mayor of a struggling steel town. So it looks like he does have enough progressive credentials to uh, perhaps not be seen again as a cinema or a mansion. In this case, in Pennsylvania, of course, that would be a bad comparison. Yeah, no, uh, Fetterman is a fascinating political creature. I do call him a creature because he is six foot eight. And anyone who's I know what you people do to my people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Of course, you know, reminds me of of Kane down in Tennessee. He's got to be Kane. Former wrestler, and uh, he's into politics down there now. But Fetterman, of course, is on the Democratic side. And you're absolutely right, Ben. I think he can bridge that world of progressives. He did endorse Bernie Sanders. He does have progressive creds. But I uh, completely agree with you. He's got that union blue dog Democrat feel, almost like a John Tester out of Montana or, Mm -hmm. or even Sherrod Brown out of Ohio. These Democratic senators who keep winning in red states just because people do like them. You know, independents trust them. And that's, I think, really what's going to come down to. I mean, the the attack ads are always going to happen. They're going to come from all sides. Um, but it's just a matter of Fetterman can fend them off and yes. that he can get that Democratic nomination. Because I believe after that, he's up against Pat Toomey. And, and Pat Toomey is a Republican who's certainly vulnerable. Yeah. And of course, uh, Fetterman is extremely upset with Manchin for uh, not blocking or backing, rather, um, the filibuster. So uh, we'll see what happens there politically in Pennsylvania, but it's a massively important state and it's a massively important Senate race for the Democrats. Uh, The number two man is a dude. Of course, we kind of know this name from back in the day. Connor Lamb, Representative Connor Lamb, is the uh, second most popular Democrat uh, in that race right now. And of course, it will be an uphill battle for whatever Democrat wins, because Pennsylvania is certainly no sure bet really for either party. Uh, which is why Pennsylvania politics are almost what Ohio was 15 years ago. Yes, yeah. The Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, these are swing states where Democrats have a chance. I will say we do have a rare situation in Ohio's midterm next year where uh, the Senate race is going to be between – Democratic Congressman Tim Ryan out of Youngstown, who is, is another Blue Dog Union Democrat. So he kind of is that same Sherrod Brown vein. Um, and then we have a cast of uh, Trump clowns on the Republican side, all trying to out-Trump each other. So <laughs> honestly, keep your eyes uh, on Ohio and Pennsylvania. Those Senate races will be very fascinating. Absolutely. And Fetterman, of course, has repeatedly spoken out about the uh, about his support for the infrastructure legislation, uh, calling it a big win. And of course, bashing I suppose now retiring Republican Senator Pat Toomey. So I think Pat Toomey will not be seeking another term. So it's going to be a wide open race. That's why Dr. Oz is jumping in. That That's is fascinating. Right. So, so it Fetterman, could be Fetterman versus, versus Oz. Dr. Oz. Oh, my gosh. 
What It'll be just like that world. show, Oz. And hopefully Fetterman, uh, you know, <laughs> beats the crap out of everybody. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, Dr. Oz, again, nice enough man when I met him. But the only thing he talked about was not eating breakfast. And how it's a good thing. <laughs> what a weird thing to go it's on. It's so weird. I mean, was he talking about like intermittent fasting? Are you drinking water while you're not eating breakfast? These are uh, every time you talk about this story. Yeah, I have no idea what he does. Um, I'm not not really sure what qualifies him to be a doctor or a senator. (laughs) Or a senator, yeah. (laughs) Well, hopefully that'll be the big uh, debate that they have about breakfast. Fetterman, I I look at him, I I assume that man's pro-breakfast. Right. He's a big man. He's pro three meals a day. Folks, I had too much chili. I forgot my family's name. (laughs) All right. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Well, let's move on a little bit. Let's talk about the CIA. Fernando, this story is for you. Uh, yay. CIA Director William Burns. He says the agency, quote, has a number of different projects focused on cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the CIA is getting involved in the crypto game. What does it mean? So the dude who invented, I guess it's the anonymous inventor, but he, yes. but we also have his name, so he's not anonymous? Well, yes. We, he's not a real <laughs> okay. person. Satoshi Nakamoto. He's ben. not a real person. That we know But of. he is a real person. That we know of, he's not. Okay, I have no idea. (laughs) Okay, so some people were saying he is CIA plant or something? Yes. Okay, what's going on? So basically, when Bitcoin was invented way back in 2008, it was invented by an anonymous, it was invented by an anonymous conglomerate or an anonymous person. Okay. They identified themselves as Satoshi Nakamoto. They're the author of the white paper for Bitcoin. So that's, you know, 2008. It's been a long time. That one when Bitcoin was worth cents. Now Bitcoin is worth $60,000. Right. So people are paying attention to who Satoshi Nakamoto could have been. And there's a few people that claim to be him. Uh, uh, this Australian investment scammer currently is claiming that he's Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay. Uh, there's a court case in Florida happening that might actually give more detail about that. But another longstanding um, belief, uh, you know, very the dark circles of the internet is that Satoshi Nakamoto is actually the CIA. And okay. that, that Bitcoin was created for, by the CIA as another means of tracking transactions okay so this is is this this about taxes yes absolutely about taxes but (laughs) you gotta pay taxes even when you're paying for a murder or paying for lots and lots of drugs you gotta pay those taxes so what would be travis go on this just reminds me of that movie, The Usual Suspects, where they're all scared of Kaiser Sose, and oh. we don't know who he is. <laughs> right. He's the CIA. <laughs> right. Turns out it was uh, Kevin Spacey. Uh, oh, yikes. good. Thank goodness. Scary. Really nice guy. Thank really goodness. scary. Scary. 
So what would be the point? Is this about the CIA money laundering? Is this how the CIA is now funding the wars that we don't even know are going on? Is that what this is? Is this just another way for the CIA to, uh, again, buy arms, sell arms without having the U.S. dollar being in the conversation? Short answer, yes. For all those three things. So basically it's a... Uh, so why does everyone like crypto again? Well, you see, people like crypto because... <laughs> it's, it, it's more confused every day. It's People like crypto because it's a means of payment that would cut out bank systems and would cut out fiat currency. Right. And so centralized banking would be cut out if we use things like Bitcoin. But if Bitcoin turns out to be created by the CIA, uh-huh. then, then it's... Does that make sense? Then it's absolutely pointless for us to use it because the whole point, the people who created it are the people we're trying to get away from. So, hmm. so is it then so a psyop it, that the CIA is saying the CIA created crypto so people stop using crypto? Ooh, the layers. I don't you know. See, actually, wow. I had thought about this before. So, yes. So, how could you, something that is supposed to be anti-government, you could destroy it by claiming that it is, in fact, part of the government. So the thing about it, though, is that uh, the argument that cryptocurrency is less traceable than cash is a complete lie. Everything uh. that happens on the cryptocurrency, be it Bitcoin, be it Ethereum, name it, be it Dogecoin, okay. happens on a on a ledger. And that ledger is permanent. Anything that any transaction that happens on any cryptocurrency is permanent and forever traceable, technically, which right. is how those. Do you remember how Darkseed, when they stole the when they uh uh, blackmailed that gas company a few years back. That's how they mm. got caught because they used Bitcoin. Right. And so during the transactions, when you take Bitcoin and turn it back into money or back into US dollars right. or British pounds, that's tied to someone's social security or someone's identity. So sure. It's because I think they were also the people who uh, hijacked the power grid were also paid in crypto and then they just like took it right back. Yeah. Because again, yeah. everything that happens in crypto <laughs> is on the ledger. It's on a, it's on a, blockchain cryptocurrency ledger is what it's called so it's really more traceable than the american dollar absolutely so, so the cia wow. created cryptocurrency under the guise that it was going to have more economic freedom for others but in reality they did it so they could track people even more if the cia did create it if Whoa, but wow. if it did okay. but if it didn't um it would want to be involved and that would be the reason why the the director would say we have tons of involvement in the CIA in the cryptocurrency projects. Of course, they'd want to be right. looking, they'd want to be looking at these threads. They'd want to be looking at these blockchains. And again, if I pay- is this the end? Is this the beginning of the end then of crypto? If people no longer believe that it's you know the economic provides the economic freedom that they wanted. Or does this just uh, mainstream crypto even more and make it more of just a average middle class, you know, uh, consumption? Good question. Depends on who you are. For me, it encourages me. I want regulation in the industry. I want uh, regulation is how we get more massive adoption and more people to trust it. So I see regulation and government involved in cryptocurrency as a good thing. For someone who thinks, mm. who wants to live nefariously or the goal is to move away from the grid, they may not see this as a bonus. But, right. but um, I don't know. I can't say. If, and if I know I knew, you don't do anything nefarious. If I, if I knew who Satoshi Nakamoto was, Ben, the amount of mm. Bitcoin I would have huh? in my wallet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then you drop 
drop the cup like at the end of Usual Suspects when you realize who he is. It's been Kevin Spacey this whole time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. These issues are so complex, I can only think about them in movies. It's like uh, Joe Pesci's character in, in Oliver Stone's JFK. It's a riddle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a in a treasure map, man. Is John Candy naked over there? We're, he uh, sure is. He looks great. We're talking about a trillion dollar industry. Cryptocurrency is worth what Woo. Apple phones are worth. So wow. if you it, saying wow. Bitcoin is shit is like looking at an iPhone in someone's hand and going, oh, that's a that's a fad. That's a piece of shit. Right. That is how much money is involved in cryptocurrency. So it's not gotcha. it's not just coming and going. And there's a reason the CIA, even if they didn't create it, needs to be involved. And then um, there's a lot of schemes in it. There's a lot of fraud in it. So, okay. of course, they're going to want to be involved. Well, speaking of uh, nefarious ways of making money, this comes from Democracy Now!, Amy Goodman. Yeah, baby. Uh, so with the Omicron. Omicron? Omicron. Omicron. <laughs> Apparently it's less uh, <laughs> dangerous than all the other ones. All the other variants. Um, nonetheless, you know, obviously the media didn't. Uh, they definitely did not uh, present it that way, did they? Well, but this article is great. Go on, Fernando. No, I mean, uh, I was going to say, I think that's the, the evolution, the way evolution works. The virus would want to be more transmissible, mm-hmm. but less deadly. So yeah. because if you kill the people carrying you, you don't get anywhere. But if oh. you know, if you just make them sick enough to spread the virus, then oh. you get to go everywhere. Isn't that so nice. it's pro, it's pro virus logic. Well, one thing that is spreading uh, is certainly the amount of money that's being made by Pfizer and Moderna. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. They make 10 billion bucks a week right now and money Ooh. corrupts. And again, we're not fucking crazy on this show. I'm a massive advocate of vaccines because uh, we've always had them and they work. Science works. That being said, so does corruption. Absolutely. And when it comes to mm. Pfizer and Moderna shareholders um, with the stock going over $10 billion um, every single week, it does beg the question, at what point do the good times stop? And sadly, in this case, for the good times to stop for the people that are benefiting from Moderna and Pfizer, we need to have more people vaccinated and the virus it just becomes what, as Fernando said before the show, the Spanish flu, which is now just called the flu. Right. And we have flu season. Right. People don't get super scared, though. Right. That's, and if they don't get super scared. They don't buy anything. They don't buy anything. And that's my only ah. concern when it comes to the corrupt crony capitalism of Big Pharma now also being in charge or at least having a large say in public health. Sadly, I don't think that our pharmaceutical industry has should talk about public health because I don't think they give a shit because, of course, you don't have a health care system. We have a sick care system. And that's where all the money is being made. I mean, look at the price of insulin. If you have any questions Absolutely. as to if, as, disgusting. As, as, what Travis said, if you have any questions as to how the healthcare system views you, look at the price of insulin, look at the price of diabetes well, test at, strips. You know, the freaking asshole, uh, you know, pharma bro. Uh, supply and demand works. Scarelli. Scarelli, yes. Far, uh, supply and demand works in many aspects, many ways. Absolutely. I just should not be the uh, model, model, economic model for healthcare. Absolutely. Because uh, obviously it is uh, victimizing the people who are suffering the most. This is according to Nick Dearden, director of Global Justice Now UK. He says the companies that make the most are doing the least to share their technology. He goes on, the priority for them is making enormous amounts of money for some of the richest people in the world. So sadly, again, read this whole article. Um, It's the interview transcripts from Democracy Now! uh, with Amy Goodman uh, speaking with Juan Gonzalez and Nick Dearden. They bring up a lot of fantastic points. Um, 
Juan Gonzalez, for example, talks about how the CEO of Moderna has refused to share the recipe mm-hmm. for Moderna's vaccine with the World Health Organization. Which is important. That's crazy. To, okay. They had they they got care. all this funding, but they got all this funding with the, they had said they were going to share this. They had said they were right. not going to patent this medicine, and they had said that they were going to share this vaccine with everybody. As soon as they discovered the medicine and got the funding for it, they changed their minds, which companies wow. are allowed to do. What a shock. Yeah. So it's yeah, unbelievable. No, it, and compare that with uh, the polio vaccine, which was invented and discovered by Jonas Salk. And his first reaction was make it available to everyone. He he didn't patent it and he lost out in billions of dollars. And that was in, you know, 1950s money. So these these people are absolutely heartless. I mean, this is yep. why there are progressives, you know, who go on Democracy Now! and MSNBC who say we we should only have one dose. We need to get the vaccine so it is just one dose because if you have to keep getting dosed every year, mm. it's just a profits game. That's disgusting. Nick Dearden, this is what he had to say again in this interview with Amy Goodman. He says, if you look at the excellent work that Public Citizen has done, they say 100 percent of Moderna's vaccine was researched by government-paid scientists. To manufacturing, money. Tax our money. The manufacturing, the rollout, all of that was helped to the tune of billions of dollars from the U.S. government under Operation Warp Speed. Uh, that was given to both Pfizer and Moderna to help get this vaccine manufactured, tested, and trialed. Exactly he goes on. So it is in very many ways a public vaccine. In very many ways, it should be a public good. And I could not agree with Nick Dearden more as we finance this with our tax dollars. And now we have to pay, mm-hmm. you know, an arm and a leg to freaking get it. It's it's ridiculous as these companies, again, make 10 billion bucks a week in profit for people who, let's just say, are probably already fairly wealthy. Because uh, believe it or not, even though we're not being charged every time you go get a COVID test or when you got your vaccine, you still, if you look into your bills, if you have insurance, they still build your insurance company. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. you may not have paid anything out of your pocket, but some... People in the background, there was still handshaking and money being made. And they did that a million times over, 10 million times over. That's billions of dollars stolen literally from us. Yeah. Wow. It's unbelievable. We already paid for it. Mm -hmm. We helped you create it. Without us, Pfizer and Moderna don't have it. Anyway, it makes you just makes you furious, doesn't it? Well, speaking Mm -hmm. of shaking hands and being corrupt, just officially Chris Cuomo (laughs) has been fired from CNN. We talked on last episode how he was uh, suspended, uh, but now he's going to sue the network for at least 18 million bucks. So, what? you know, it's going to be hard. Yeah, because he wants his money that they that they're going to they were supposed to pay him. Um, so he's going to get uh, he's gonna, I just he suffers so much just like us. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> like us. $18 million from an asshole. He suffers like Precious. You know, remember that movie Precious? Yeah, I He's do suffering remember Precious. like Precious right now. $18 million? Wow. I do remember Precious. What a fantastic film that was. <laughs> hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? 
In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, I guess just lastly, in the vaccine space, uh, New York City has announced it'll be the first in the nation uh, to have vaccine mandates for private companies. Uh, However, a little bit more reading into this, uh, Bill de Blasio has like three days left. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this is really a because it's not going to hold up in court. I don't Mm -hmm. believe it'll hold up in court, just judging by sort of how the courts have gone in the past when it comes to vaccine mandates. This to me is just him trying (sighs) to pretend like he was a mayor. And trying to be like, see, I put in the most bold, I put the most bold words on the page. I don't. I mean, what do you think? This, uh, what do you think about de Blasio, Travis? Does this have any legs or is this, again, just the tall man trying to see (laughs) see himself out with a little bit of clout? Right. As he hits his head on the door, as you mentioned. uh, Yeah. Yeah, this is just more de Blasio being de Blasio. Even uh, on MSNBC, uh, Max Fine, former congressman, Democratic congressman um, from uh, Staten Island, um, he said that that this is the kind of stuff that gets Democrats in trouble, right? There's no real plan. You just kind of throw it out there like a like a ticking time bomb, right? And and you see what happens. Um, and but to your point. Bill de Blasio is on his way out of office, so he probably feels that this is something he can do. And now, like you said, everyone else has to figure out uh, what exactly it means and if it's logistically even possible. I mean, they already had enough problems with the public employees getting vaccinated. Remember when they they, Mm. um, they did the mandate for the firefighters and the policemen? So Lord knows how this one's going to go. And sadly, whether it be unintended or intended, the people who are... Um, the most devastated are going to be people of color in the Bronx, for mm-hmm. example. They're at fifteen percent unemployment. Um, the in uh, young African Americans are at forty four percent unemployment, and these kinds of things, uh, I suppose, they could be. Well, certainly they would deter certain groups who might have more of a hesitation based upon historical right. evidence, the Tuskegee exper- experiments, you name it. And again, I'm very pro-vaccine. I'm also empathetic to people who say, oh, but I'm a skeptical. And I, just, like, I get it. But, you know, that's why, again, we need social trust. Mm-hmm. So we cannot have these, so we don't need to have these debates. But it's very difficult to have social trust, as we talked about earlier, when politicians constantly say and then do something completely different. But what do you think this means for de Blasio or just the Dems in general? Because now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Governor uh, Kate Brown she is uh, she's just seen going maskless at a DC event because of course again it's do as I say not as I do um they are discussing making it permanent that you have to have a mask well indoors unless you're sitting um it, what do you guys that's think in this, Oregon right that's, that's in, in Oregon. Oregon that's in Oregon mm-hmm. so do you guys think this is, is I, it doesn't seem to be polling great mm-hmm. um I understand <laughs> in this binary world of one party actively promoting conspiracy theory or completely dissing science again, despite the fact that 99% of them are vaccinated. The people in charge, Lindsey, right. they're all vaccinated. Right. Lindsey Graham Joe is vaccinated. Rogan, all of them. Joe they're, all they're all vaccinated. Yeah. Um, they just <laughs> wanted to get that sweet unvaccinated market so they can make <laughs> some profit off of people's ignorance. Cool guys. <laughs> but then we also have the Democrats who are now putting in place theoretical policies like a mask 
permanent mask mandate, mm-hmm. I just think it sends chills down people's spines. Whether you're left, right, or center, people don't want the people need body autonomy is always talked about mm-hmm. in in very bizarre ways. Obviously, when it comes to body autonomy, when it comes to reproductive rights, absolutely. Body body autonomy in general does need to be something taken seriously along all sides and all walks of life. And I just don't know what this means for the Democratic Party when they when people hear things like permanent mask mandate only right. be, and the only reason that they're doing it in Oregon is because right now they have to vote every 180 days if they want to bring the mask mandate back. But that's your freaking job. Right. So just do your job. Every 180 days, you have to get together and say yay or nay. Just do that. Also, this is an ever-moving crisis or an ever-moving right. Things situation. Things change. So anyway, what do you guys think? I Okay, Mayor de Blasio, it, he did the political equivalent of farting inside a closed car and then like get it, locking the doors hmm. and then getting out of it and then leaving everyone inside <laughs> to suffer. So he did that. So, you know, uh, what are they going to do? How are the Democrats going to fight this? It's, uh, you know, how are they going to get fight pro this? So, well, if you do that, you definitely get people to put their masks on. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Uh, Bill de Blasio fart. Whoa, the man's vegan, I think. Or my God. <laughs> oh, extra but <laughs> I will say, um, again, back to former Congressman Max Fine, who Staten Island uh, Congressman, he barely lost to Nicole Maliatakis. Maliatakis. Uh, yeah, just by the eight or, rolls eight off or, the tongue. Yeah, right. Uh, eight or 9,000 votes is how much she beat him by. And, and you know, I think, again, kind of to that Fetterman point, the John Testers of the United States, you know, Max Fine was kind of this, he's a veteran, so he's kind of a, a Democrat that's palatable in a Republican Staten Island area. And, again, he said to... His exact quote was, we need to stop pretending masks are fun. And that kind of goes right in hand in hand with what you're saying, Ben, that mm. you throw these things out there. The, the the public image comes off as, well, we like doing masks all the time and we want everyone to be to be vaccinated against their will. And, and as a public relations um, right. uh, move, it just doesn't make much sense. And then again, much like when Nancy Pelosi got her hair did mm-hmm. and, you know, the hypocrisy on exactly. all sides. We talked about Gavin hypocrisy. Gavin Newsom with, went to the restaurant. Gavin went to the restaurant. Apparently now there was another photo with Kate Brown and the, the, again, the governor there in Oregon. She was unmasked with the Oregon House Speaker Tina Kotek, a Democrat out of Portland. All they're doing is setting themselves up for impossible expectations exactly. to meet. Exactly. So just do yourself a favor and don't do that. And then people won't be able to point to a picture of you with the sign that says Kate Brown mandates masks, except for Kate Brown. Mm. And then, boom, it's a 10 second ad. It's a meme. Right. And then, boom, you've just lost God knows how many votes. And it's effective because it's true. You don't you're just showing the evidence. You're not you're not spinning it in any way. You're just showing what what it is. All right. Well, speaking of hypocrisy, uh, Mark Meadows, he has decided, of course, Mark Meadows, the chief of staff for Donald Trump. Uh, he is no longer going to cooperate with the January 6th committee. He said Whoa. he was going to, but then Whoa. it turns out uh, it makes him look like a total piece of shit. <laughs> so he says, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, and then, of course, uh, on the Republican side, speaking of uh, hypocrisy, speaking of the uh, pipeline from um, media to politics, Devin Nunes mm. is going to step down. And he is wow. going to lead Trump's media entity. But the weird thing is here, and Travis pointed this out, and I want you to talk about this, Travis. 
He is, Devin Nunes is, that is a member of the Ways and Means Committee, which is the most powerful committee you can be a part of. So he's stepping away from that to go work in Trump media land? It's insane, Ben. It's politically insane. He's the ranking member. And, you know, again, there's a good chance the Republicans could take over the House again in 2022. And that would have made him chairman of the coveted Ways and Means Committee. It is such a coveted spot. That's what George H.W. Bush had back when he was a congressman. It is so powerful. Um, You know, you have all kinds of committees in Congress, but then kind of all the the loose ends, the miscellaneous is kind of shoved into ways and means. So you're really in charge of a lot of stuff. And for Devin Nunez to step away from this very powerful, potentially powerful uh, position to, I don't know. In theory, do something for Trump. I mean, it just feels like so many of the uh, the uh, the parlors and the getters. I mean, I just partner, don't know. I'm on getter and parlor. I, I just wait. How many of these media ideas are going to actually work on <laughs> Trump's behalf? Yeah. So uh, again, with the uh, so with the committee that he is a ranking member of, uh, they control. They basically they write tax and health care policy. Um, oh, wow. They talk about a lot of some of the most important things. That are going on uh, that are affecting the people in this country. But this is what Devin Nunes says. He says, recently, I was presented with a new opportunity for to fight for the most important issues I believe in. Oh, my God. He says um, he wrote that in a letter to his constituents. You imagine voting for this asshole. And then you get a letter <laughs> being like, I'm going to work in television media with Donald. Mm. Like, oh, really? That's what you're doing instead. Okay. So uh, we'll see how this goes. Um, it's the uh, he's going to be working with. It's called the Trump Media and Technology Group. Yay! And, oh my uh, gosh! He has called his new chief executive, quote, "This is Donald Trump, a fighter and a leader." This is what Donald said in the statement. He says, "Devin understands that we must stop the liberal media and big <laughs> tech from destroying the freedoms that make America great." Oh, all right. <laughs> Donald promised him a diet coke button in his oh, office. Oh, sweet! <laughs> That's so fine. great. So there you go, folks. Folks, I had too much chili, folks. Devin Nunes. <laughs> anything that this Trump media company creates, it will be full of lies, or at the very least, lies by omission. One-sided news at best. Let's never forget the pipeline from politics to media is disgusting. And this is where people, grifters like Devin Nunes, this is where they make their coin. This is where they get their money. It doesn't happen necessarily in office. Not that the paycheck is small. Mm. But when they really want to cash in, that's exactly what they do. They either go to a CEO board Mm -hmm. or they go into media. Mm-hmm. Or they go in the lobbying. I mean, there's. it's just, like you said, a revolving door. Jason Chaffetz was another guy, a congressman, who went over to Fox. He left his very powerful uh, uh, position on his committee as well. It's very bizarre. Well, I, it's almost like, and I am pontificating here, Ben, but it's almost like they were about to have some type of scandal and perhaps lose their seat. Yep. And they had to kind uh-huh. of take the chance and be like, mm, maybe I'll just go take this safe job. And then Trump ain't going to fire him for it. So no, they're safe there. So. All right. Well, just uh, lastly, and hopefully we can get another episode in this week because uh, there's so much to talk about. But just lastly, I want to just mention Ethan Crumbly. Boo. Yeah, he's this 15 year old. Uh, he's being charged as an adult. He, uh, He's being accused of killing four fellow students and injuring multiple others. Um, this story is really sad. Uh, 
because his parents are being charged. And that rarely happens. Usually they don't charge the parents. For white parents. Um, yes, it's, it's yeah. a good point. Obviously, it definitely has occurred uh, before. But uh, his parents in this just acted so unbelievably egregious. This is one of the things I wanted to say about this is um, people who fetishize guns. Mm-hmm. It is like the gun is not a toy. Guns should never be given as gifts to uh, 15 year old boys who uh, especially a handgun. I mean, if I mean, I'm from Wisconsin. I remember I took hunter safety and people had like hunting rifles. And OK, it's a bit of a different story. Right. This handgun has one purpose and one purpose only. Mm-hmm. And Ethan Crumbly, his parents, they're psycho. They're Q believers. They're like. They're just total morons, and I can't even imagine what the dinner table conversations were that this uh, young man was absorbing. Again, not uh, taking anything away from what he did, but my God, his parents definitely did not help him. And from what I've read, um, the kid, like he was trying to kind of call for call out for help. Right, he was uh, he asking was, for attention. He was asking for attention. He literally was like drawing stuff, being like, "I'm going to kill everyone." Where the teacher would yeah. see it, you know. Yeah, and it's like, and the well, teacher to told him. the parents. Yes, and then the parents, they, they they fought with the school. The kid stayed in school. They didn't know he had a gun in his backpack, even though they knew that they just gave him a gun three days before. These parents are so disgusting, and it just breaks my heart, the whole story, um, because had they been able to uh, – had they been doing their job, parents, uh, I believe children would still be alive, and their son will not be would not be incarcerated uh, for the rest of his life or for the foreseeable future anyway. But uh, Fernando, you were telling me that your father used to like do backpack checks and stuff to make sure that you didn't have a gun. Right. I mean, growing up, you know, uh, I, I I have younger kids. I've I have nieces and nephews, and I was a kid once too. We do dumb stuff, Ben. Right. When you're 12, when you're 15, you don't necessarily think of the. I mean, uh, I'm talking about maybe 12, 15, a little bit more. But as a 12 year old, you don't truly think about the consequences of your actions. And when I was a kid, my my dad before we'd go to school, he'd do these things called backpack checks. When I was a kid, mm. what that meant is I was going to get a Snickers or a bag Ooh. of M and M's when I got to school. Ooh. But now as an adult, what I realize is what my dad was doing is he was, you know, he was do, for for my safety and for the safety of everyone. He was just checking our bags. What if we took something stupid to school? What yeah. if we took my mom's, you know, something from Ooh, a personal item from someone? Dildo. What if we take a Playboy to school <laughs> and get in trouble? What if we take cigarettes? You know, oh, I, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not there even, was a kid. There was a kid who brought cigarettes in second grade. He ex- got in trouble. Exactly. That's cool I'm not, I wasn't going to bring a gun, but I would I could still do something stupid. And. If, if these parents had done their job, especially after being told by school administrators, by by the teachers, by different people that you yeah. have to be a parent to your child and then still not being a parent, they everything that is happening to them, they deserve. They absolutely deserve. Yeah. And of course, he's being tried as an adult. That's Ethan Crumbly. And uh, he is also being charged with terrorism, which isn't usually charged in school shooter cases. It's sad that there's so many of them that we can even have this kind of assessment. But uh, Nicholas Cruz. Uh, that psychopath. Um, he was also charged with terrorism. So that's just that story. I just wanted to mention that one thing when it comes to uh, people who almost bastardize the Second Amendment in some mm-hmm. ways too. guns are you got to respect them right. because uh, they can cause a shitload of damage. And it's just it's bizarre when it comes full circle and they act so frivolously with guns because that used to be people who own guns would like make fun of people for acting that way. Because they were like, you're not respecting the gun. You're a moron, moron. And I guess now in the memefied Facebook world that we live in, guns are seen as just, you know, just fun toys for kids. 
Sure. I mean, Congressman Thomas Massey out of Kentucky, he oh my posted a Christmas card picture of him and his entire family holding guns just on the on the uh, yep. right after exactly. the school shooting. It's just Thomas Massey. He doesn't necessarily hit it out of the park all the time, does he? No, uh, to he say doesn't. the least. Occasionally, I'm like, OK, fine point. But then uh, just who he is as a person. Yeah. Who what mm. is the point? Who cares? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, stop and the saddest, fucking your guns. I mean, there's that gun church, <laughs> literally that gun right, church, right. which is out turning into a suicide cult. Uh, uh, I, I for one, am very excited about the paradigm shift about, uh, you know, for example, black parents, Mexican parents, they get blamed for raising thugs or raising cholos all the time. You know, mm-hmm, they're, they mm-hmm. get held for their their 14 year old and their 15 year olds actions held responsible for why didn't you parent them better? So I, for one, am I'm completely for this paradigm shift of the parents also being held accountable because what did you have to do with your child? You know, obviously, especially in this case, it's it's just so egregious. It's so obvious. And yeah. And, but, but what I'm not happy about is the, the pictures that I saw of Ethan um, in the news. I saw that picture of him 12 year old as a 12 year old praying. I don't need to see why, (laughs) why do you chose show the mugshot? What was the name of it? Promise, hidden promises. What was the name of that series with the little promises with the little children? I forget what it's promises. Anyway. Yes, I know. Yeah, it's like that again. That that angle of the media also feeding this, you know, kind of helping create that that division, helping create that negative. So we fight Absolutely. more on Facebook, Ben. Absolutely. Right. Well, and the saddest thing that you guys have you pointed out, it's it's the political culture. I mean, they're queuing on parents. So you mentioned, I mean, they tried to flee to Canada, but they couldn't get in because they weren't vaxxed. Also, Canada you know, has an extradition treaty with the U. Like you don't flee to Canada. Yeah, you just get yeah. detained in Canada and come back. <laughs> Well, that you know, these aren't the the brightest tools oh, in the shed God. here. No, it's I know just like Canada's right there. Let's go. The picture of the mom with or the, it was the dad, Ethan, and then the mom, or whatever order, and it's just like, yeah, it's uh, yeah. There's it's, it's, they're a, they're a bit of a blooper. It's a bit of a blooper. It makes me very uh, very blooper grateful. Blooper family that never uh, should have procreated, perhaps. But it's, anyway, yes. it's really sad, and of course, our hearts go out to everyone who was suffering. Absolutely, the families um, because that just. Again, a phone call that far too many parents have received is that their children are dead, trying to get an education. Anyway, we could do a whole episode on education where the art classes bring them back Mm. like the human. Yeah, I feel horrible for these freaking kids, man. I I feel very grateful that I was raised by parents who uh, brought me up on Bob Ross and yoga videos. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very grateful that my dad was smart enough to check my backpack. To keep me from being stupid. And when it comes to guns, again, I wanted a gun when I was growing up. And my parents were like, okay, if you want a gun, you have to take Hunter Safety. And then after Hunter Safety, I was like, you know what? That was cool. <laughs> I shot it. I just didn't I feel got over it. it. I, just, I was like, I'm on to beer now. I want beer now. I actually <laughs> right, don't care particularly. But yeah. And that's what that kid should have been. That's what Ethan Kremley should have been having in his backpack beer. He still would have gotten in trouble, but it would have been a hell of a lot better. People would still be alive. Yeah. Absolutely. So. We gotta. We have to. I think we have to start focusing on the family. Mm. Oh wow, Mr. James Thompson. <laughs> That's a joke. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back later on this week to tell you all the news that we think you should know to uh, you know alienate yourself and to feel smarter than your friends. It's just fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It's important to feel smarter than your friends. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if anyone doesn't want to feel alienated in Columbus, Ohio, join us at the State House at noon on Woo! Thursday, December 9th. Bring your, your holiday gear and bring a sign that tells the, the Republicans how you feel about all their cool loving schemes. 
All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.